Hear now a reading from the book of Luke. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's early evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About an hour ago, I called our younger daughter, Darcy, to make sure she had made it to York, South Carolina, where she's preaching right now at the Terza Presbyterian Church. Earlier this week, she called me and we talked about the text. It's not uncommon when she preaches that we discussed the text and what we proposed to do with it. And then later in the week, she sent me her sermon. My goal in life is to become as insightful in addressing the text as she is. This is the way Darcy began her sermon this morning. It was Easter 
Sunday, and I was in seminary. That morning, I made my way to the church I'd been attending for the past year since I moved to Richmond, Virginia. It was a rather prominent church in the area, the kind of church that people who did not go to church often were drawn to on Easter and Christmas in order to make contact with their religious roots. The church was already packed when I arrived at my usual time. I wedged myself onto a pew and waited for the service to begin. In the quiet buzz of conversation happening around me, I heard a father and his young kindergarten-aged daughter behind me. She was bouncing around and allowing everything her eyes saw to flow out of her mouth. Look at the pretty windows, Daddy. Who's that person, Daddy? These seats are hard, Daddy. It was clear that this was a new place and occasion for her. With only the joy and excitement and anticipation of a child heading to see her favorite princess at Disney World, the child turned to her father and said, Daddy, do you think we're going to see Jesus today? The two on the road answer that question with a no. No, we're not going to see Jesus today. Jesus is dead. We've heard some wild stories, but we're grieving and he's dead. But the question is, will you see Jesus this morning? It all depends. It all depends. You see, it's Sunday, and for Jews, that's our Monday, and it's time to get back to the real world, whatever that means. It's time to try to get back to normal. But this is no normal Sunday. It's a Sunday of deep grief and deep sadness because things will never quite be the same again. We followed him for three years and now he's dead. Oh, we've heard some wild stories from the women, but you know, you can't trust a woman to tell the truth. We've lost a loved one. Most of us know what that means, don't we? We know the heaviness, the grief, the emptiness, the loss. We know the hole that appears in our life that just can't be filled because there's a great absence there of the one for whom we cared so deeply. Normal, whatever that means, won't be the same again. Our lives are impacted for as long as we live. These two walk towards Emmaus this morning, and the text indicates that there is a great sadness and heaviness between them, the, the kind of heaviness that comes with darkness and grief. And words, words are just things that are inadequate to describe that kind of loss. Many of you have been there. Some of you may be there now. They're afraid that his life hasn't amounted to much. It's difficult to believe that either his death or his life is going to make a large difference in the world. It's over. He's gone. He's gone. It's done. It's done. We just have some memories. Oh, yeah, they've heard the rumors, but we know they're just rumors. 
There's nothing left to do in Jerusalem. It's over. They followed him. And so they head for Emmaus. Where is Emmaus? We, we really don't know. It's not a long distance from, from Jerusalem. Emmaus is a place, but it's all for also a metaphor. We've all been there. The main thing is, is that it's a way. It's, it's a way from the pain, or at least we think it is. It's a distance from what has happened. It can be an escape. You know where Emmaus is. You've been to Emmaus. We can go to Emmaus by going to a movie or numbing the pain with some chemical, alcohol or some other chemical. Some go to Emmaus by reading or by writing a book. Some get to Emmaus by getting in a car, a plane, a train, a bus, a boat, and going as far and as fast as they can away from the unbearable situation. Emmaus is a place, but it's a metaphor. Others get to Emmaus by going to Tyson's Corner Center. Buying this and that. I don't need this or that, but maybe this or that will make me feel better. And believe it or not, we can even go to Emmaus by going to church on Sunday. It's trying to fill that hole in our lives with things or trying that trying or working or struggling won't fill. Yes, Emmaus is a place, but it's also a metaphor. As Frederick Beekner reminds us, Emmaus is whatever we do or whatever we or wherever we go to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred. We followed him for three years. We thought he was Messiah. And he's dead. Is there nothing sacred? Emmaus is where we go when we try to forget our troubles. It's where we go to lick our wounds. It's where we go when we just want to try to escape the pain for a while. It may be home, but whatever it is, it's away from the pain. They followed a failure and the, and the reality of it's beginning to seek in, uh, sink in. So where now? Emmaus, place bereft of all hope. It's the end. It has ended with a whimper, suffering, death, silence. But then, while they're walking, talking, Jesus comes near. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, the text says. Why? Well... It couldn't be Jesus. Dead people don't come to life. We know better than that. That's silly talk. The last person they would expect to meet is Jesus. And so they don't have the eyes to see. They don't have the imagination. How many times have you and I missed Jesus in our midst? Because we don't have the eyes to see the heart, the sensitivity to see him in our midst. 
how many times? How many times have we missed Jesus because Jesus shows up, the risen Christ shows up in some of the most unlikely places in the person of some of the most unlikely people? Will you see Jesus this morning? The world of these two on the way to Emmaus is flat. They expect nothing, and so they see nothing. Resurrection's not an option. It's not a possibility. They never really suspect it. After all, once a person is dead, they stay that way, don't they? For five weeks, the Serac family grieved the death of their daughter, Whitney. Serac had been, Whitney Serac had been one of nine people in a van from Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, returning from an outing, and they were hit head-on by a tractor-trailer. Five people had been killed. However, the Van Ryan family had spent five weeks, 24 hours a day with their daughter, Laura, at her bedside in intensive care, beaten, battered, unrecognizable. You see, Laura had been in the crash with Whitney. Five weeks, though, five weeks after Whitney Serac's death, Colleen Serac, Whitney's mother, woke up to the start to, to the sound of the phone ringing. It was nearly two in the morning, Wednesday, May 31st, 2006. Almost 11 years ago. When Colleen finally reached the phone, the voice on the other end identified himself as the Grant County Coroner, the same man who had called five weeks earlier telling her that her daughter Whitney, her 18-year-old daughter, had died in the accident. That call, as you might expect, came also in the middle of the night. Why? Why would the coroner call me in the middle of the night? Colleen wondered. As you might expect, her heart was racing. Some of us have received calls at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's never good news. Good news doesn't come at 2 in the morning. We know now, the coroner said that the accident survivor in the hospital identified as Laura Van Ryan is in fact not Laura. This fact was confirmed earlier today through her dental records. And then the coroner dropped the bombshell. We have reason to believe, he told Colleen, that your daughter Whitney may be alive. No, no. That's impossible. She thought the coroner was saying that they'd buried their daughter, Whitney, alive. And the thought horrified her. However, the coroner quickly clarified that what he meant was, we have reason to believe that the girl identified as Laura Van Ryan is in fact your daughter, Whitney Serac. When Colleen and her daughter, Carly, reached the intensive care unit, reached the room with the nameplate Laura Van Ryan, 
Colleen pushed the door open just a little bit. The lights in the room were dim, but there was no mistaking that the girl lying in the hospital bed was their girl, Whitney Serac. Colleen let out a sigh of relief and whispered, It's Whitney. It's Whitney. Carly, Carly, Whitney's sister, lunged past her mother, rushed into her sister. They started hugging and they burst into tears. It really, really is Whitney. It really is. Her blonde hair, her blue eyes, her nose, the shape of her mouth, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was Whitney. Whitney's, Whitney slowly opened her eyes wide and expressionless. Although her neck brace con- constricted, restricted her movement, she nodded yes over and over and over as her sister and mother repeated her name. Carly, her sister, fell to the floor sobbing, her body unable to contain her overwhelming joy. The nurse, the nurse who had escorted the Seracs to Whitney's room, rushed in and tried to quiet them down. She can't handle this kind of stimulation. But my sister's alive. She's alive, Carly said. And the celebration continued. He's alive. He's alive. The Lord has risen indeed. Perhaps you're on the way to Emmaus this morning. Perhaps you're already there. You had hope, but now you're bereft of hope. You're not just at the end of your rope. There's not even a rope in sight to hold on to. Will you see Jesus this morning? And it's here. On the way to Emmaus. That Christ wants to meet you today. Not in some blaze of glory, but here now. At supper time when hope is died and day is dying. Verse 30 reports when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to him. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him. He's alive. He's alive. The Lord has risen indeed. It's still Easter. He's risen. Will you see Jesus this morning? You don't have to miss him. But there's more. Guess what happened when they saw him? When they recognized him? That very same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They told them what had happened on the road and how he had been known, made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is witness. This is evangelism. For those of us who see Jesus, that's our job. Will you see Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? If so, 
What are you going to do? Amen.